from the Lake Erie shores of Northeast Ohio. Cleveland! Cleveland is a city of champions once again. This is the Panel Scanners Podcast since 2012. Welcome to episode 100, part two. I don't know how we want to say it, whatever. So we're continuing the conversation we were having a little bit earlier this month. So, uh... 100 so special, we gotta break it up into two parts. That is correct. In other words, Darren and I can't shut up about things we love. So, once again, Tim on assignment, yeah. working on something particularly special. Let's assume Batman-related. For our related. Batman yeah. special, which will be in October. Tim, I cannot wait to see what you've come up with. Um, yeah, so welcome to back to episode 100. Yeah. I think, you're, I think we're just as surprised as you are. So let's go, Phil. What do we got? All right, so we're going to jump right into our biggest surprises, other than the fact that we made it to 100 episodes, since we started doing this podcast. So um, these are going to just be kind of things that just shocked us, and this is very, very wide open. I'm kind of everywhere with mine. So I'll do my two runners up, and then you can do yours, and then we'll talk about our biggest surprise, right? Sounds great. Sounds good. All right, so my first biggest surprise... Remember, when I started this podcast, I wasn't really reading comic books, so I jumped back in. So my biggest surprise was, well, runner-up, is Miles Morales as Spider-Man, and the fact that that works. How does a not-Peter-Parker Spider-Man work? Don't get me started on the fact that there's, like, 30 different Spider-Man at this point, but the fact that Miles Morales' own title ran completely with it, replaced Peter Parker in a universe, and it just, it felt right, um... That it just it, it, it it's it's wonderful, and you said in uh, the first part of one hundred that you saw Spider Verse finally, and that was your first real run in with Miles yourself. Yes. So you see what I'm talking about? Like it shouldn't make sense, but it does. Yeah, it really does. I enjoyed it very much. Miles is great, and I I, love I, him. I think the little twist on the power is kind of nice too. The the shock and being able to go invisible kind of gave a little bit of extra umph that it needed to uh, transition. I was reading a little bit about all the Easter eggs in the movie. Are you kind of bored with Easter eggs like I am? Like, I don't even bother looking for I them like anymore. Them. I, I mean, I like fun. them, but like, oh my god, yeah, I couldn't believe they put Brian Bettinus' name in the phone. I'm like, come on, that... If his name wasn't in the phone, I'd be more surprised yeah. than seeing that it was. That's true. <laughs> at this point. Uh, my second biggest surprise was that the Marvel Cinematic Universe did what it did. I mean, if you told me when we were starting to watch Iron Man... 10 years ago, 10 years ago, that it was going to turn into something. Heck, when I, even when I saw Avengers, I was like, well, this is done. They're not topping that. There's no way that it's going to be better than that movie, that it's going to keep getting better and better from there. Who would have thought that was the starting point of those movies getting really, really good? I'm so shocked that 10 years after something started that I'm as excited for the next thing around the corner than I was when it started. Matter of fact, I almost missed Iron Man in in theaters because I was like, there's no way this is going to be good. Now I don't miss a Marvel movie. You know, it's so funny to think about that (laughs) Iron Man came out and was good and it was totally overshadowed by The Dark Knight like a month later and now DC can't get out of there. Well, you know, it's funny. We keep saying that. By all accounts, they're three for their last four. Yeah, they're doing okay. It's just that they did so wrong to start. Uh, well, they, they blew their two marquee mm-hmm. characters. That's the problem. Yeah, it is an issue. Versus Marvel that took 
didn't even have their marquee seven character. Seven years for their marquee yeah, character. Yeah, that's right. It's a good point. I, it's, it's crazy. Uh, so, yeah, my second surprise was MCU. What are your two runners up, Darren? Well, my first honorable mention for this, the biggest surprise since our podcast began way back in July of 2012, the emergence of an entire television universe with Green Arrow as its fulcrum. In the fall of 2012, superheroes were already becoming a dominant force at the box office. Still, it was anything but a safe bet that a television show based on Green Arrow would succeed, let alone build an entire television universe and have something that's called the Arrowverse (laughs) because they've built out from him as its foundation. I mean... If you had told me, yeah, there's going to be a DC television universe that's going to be, and it's going to be the foundation is going to be Batman and Superman, of course, makes sense. Why wouldn't it? But Green Arrow, I mean, and it just goes to show you. Listen, that show ends. I think right. I think their last episode happens before Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover. I could be wrong. Stand up and take a bow at that point. I mean, you got to. You're talking about Yeoman's effort for shepherding Green Arrow into eight years of a TV series. I remember thinking, like, more than likely, I wanted to watch Green Arrow when it debuted while it lasted. Yeah. Because I didn't think it would be around. I didn't think two things. Arrow's still around, and so are we. Um, (laughs) And then the other one is the revival of the Dark Crystal. And it was one of those things that had been so lost to time. I knew what it was. I loved it. But you never saw anything for it. I talked a little bit about this in our last episode, in part one of our episode 100. But until that Power of the Dark Crystal came out in 2017, there was so very, very little other than the original movie. And here we go with the TV series, which, again, blows my mind. Phil. <clears throat> my biggest surprise was something about myself. Uh, prior to doing the podcast and as a comic book reader, I really stuck to kind of your Avengers, Spider-Man, Batman, Superman. I didn't really read anything outside of superhero comic books. So my biggest surprise coming into this and throughout is how much of a deep love I've gained for non-superhero comic books. Specifically, Deadly Class, Black Science, Nailbiter, these things that are way outside of the norm. And it kind of leans into that thing of, that you were telling me that it's one of the best ways to tell a story. And it's way more about telling a story than having somebody with super strength punching someone through a wall. It's about, like, Middle West. It's about a kid finding out his history with his father and that there might be something else there. It's figuring out the multiverse as you are trying to find cures to diseases while actually destroying everyone on the way. There are so many books out there that I've read that have been so great that didn't have anything to do with superpowers that man six gun gorilla remember when i read that thing that was fantastic and that that was one of those books that if if you try to explain to me that this is this is what's worth reading that some guy gets dropped in a wasteland and he might be hallucinating about this gorilla he might not and it's like this crazy battlefield and they're doing it for money for people back home and I would I, I would say that's not a comic book. That's a movie. You should go see that. And it's such a great way to interact with those things. 
and I'm starting to get into some of the fantasy stuff, and if you haven't seen it or read any of it, um, Images Monstrous. No, I have not. I heard that's wonderful. It is so good. I've been reading it in trades. I've read the first three. Four comes out in September. It's rich. It's definitely adult. Super mature. But man, the art is gorgeous, and it's telling this fantasy story that I'm more into than I was with Game of Thrones. Like, I think that it has more of a... It follows a singular character versus 15. It's very focused. And it's done in a comic book. I don't know. So my biggest surprise for sure is liking things that aren't superheroes. You know, that's something I sort of... I I don't want to say it this way. I think I've led the charge on this podcast with that out of... Anger, <laughs> because I decided to just get rid of the new Fifty Two, um, because that the new Fifty Two sort of started right as we were beginning, and I just it, it seems so redundant to me that I I remember when we did stick stuck pick Sinara, which was right after we had done what you've been reading, which was literally the oh, same that segment. Was so terrible. Yeah, let's talk about how made. how how we we've made it this far. We would not have if that continued. We should have said our biggest uh, mistakes. <laughs> yeah, our biggest mistakes since this podcast. Um, and I think one time my, my Sayonaros were everything I was reading. You're, yeah. And then I picked up whatever. I just, I remember the, like, the Shadow and the Rocketeer. And, the, and one of my early favorites was The Last Phantom. Yes. Just finding some of those old Paul heroes. And then finding Nailbiter, Birthright. East of West. Finding Gossamer, East of West, The Mercenary Sea, The Massive, um, uh, Seven to Eternity. Like all these comics we just started reading. I saw you're reading Sea of Stars. I'm reading Sea it's of Stars. So good. Sea of Stars is so good. I just I, I picked up another one. I signed up for another one today called uh, I can't think of the name of it off the top. It's about it's almost a Conan like figure in modern times. I, I, it's supposed to be it's something I can't remember. It's off the top of my head. Um, then I, and I started picking up things like the Lone Ranger, and I got into the Savage Sword of Conan, and I've never read it. Now I want to go back and I want to find those early Marvel Conans to read those and do a retro on them, and it's just... Yeah, I was you, so, you did definitely lead the charge in that. I wouldn't be reading this stuff if it, it wasn't. Uh, and it was one of those... And you, and was it the Letter 44 I think you brought to my attention? I did. And that I, was my first delve one into One of it. the... Although, I, boy, that thing ran out of steam. One of the great first issues we've read since the beginning of this podcast. Um... And there's so many of these wonderful stories that I, I was, I'm so excited to read. And, I, I, and part of the reason I still love doing this podcast is because of discovering some of these new things, too. So... Was that your biggest surprise? No, it oh, I was wasn't. I was going to say, that's yeah. just spiling off mine. I, I yeah? was kind of... So one of mine, my biggest surprise... And, I, and the way I processed this, it had to be... thing that Because especially now when someone says, Oh my gosh, they're making a show out of... Whatever, Green Arrow, eight years of television, not a Green Arrow. After that, I'm not sure what surprises me. The Shang-Chi was a bit of a surprise. That's not my pick. Like, um, something that I just, it's not official yet, but it sure feels like it's about to be. Do you know what I'm referencing? No. (coughs) And I'm, I mean, just pure shock factor, pure, I don't, this is one thing I never would have predicted 
Quentin Tarantino directing oh, a Star Trek movie. That is crazy. That is so out of left field. And you are a Tarantino film. I love Tarantino. Right? Yeah, I've you, seen. You haven't seen Once Upon a Time. I have not yet. seen it. It's the only one I haven't seen. Mm, it's pretty good. I heard it's great. I love. I, it. I hear I have. I'm a. Uh, we talked a bit, a little bit on the last podcast yeah. about why I'm so into kung fu movies. Is yes. because in the '70s, those kung fu movies. That was the era of kung fu movies, and kung fu movies were all over the place. And then in the 80s is when they're on Saturday afternoon television, all those ones that were produced 10 years ago. And I, I was a huge, I've seen every Bruce Lee film. I'm told I need to brace myself for that one. The Bruce Lee does not come off very well. He in does the movie. not come Don't off. Don't tell well. me anything about it. No. Um, but, I mean, I'm a huge Jackie Chan fan. See, I grew up with Jackie Chan. Yeah. Right? That was my. I'm a, you know, um, oh, what's his name? I can't, the, he was doing it about uh, 10 years ago. Tony Ja, Tony Ja, I like I like Tony Ja, um, so that's kind of how I process it. So I haven't seen the Tarantino film yet. I think what's going to happen. I think the most likely scenario, and I mentioned this last month, he ends up really getting in his hands on the story. Doesn't end up directing it. That's possible. But if this happens there are surprises they're like wow that was better than i thought and then there are surprises that make you go what this is this is happening and it's i don't know what could shock me more than if let's say 18 months from now we're prepping our second star trek special because quentin tarantino is coming out with a star trek film yeah it could happen, Darren. It, it at this like point, it better. Oh Otherwise, stop talking about it, darn That's it. True. Oh, man. So that was yours, huh? That's it, man. Zero. I mean, I, in terms of big, just huge surprises, that's got to be it. All right. So before we look back again for your retro, let's talk about stuff we would like to see before, well, our next 100 episodes are up. So yeah. my two runners so, up. So uh, let's think about Let's do the math here. Now, when we started the podcast, we were doing one a month. Yeah, now we pulled the little Marvel, and now it's two a month? Yeah, we're doing two a month. So we're talking it's roughly, let's say, with a special here and there, roughly 24 to 25 episodes a year. So that's 50 every two years. So we're talking four or five years now, 2026? Is that math right? That's probably, I would think, so 200, so... 25, 50, 50, so yeah, about eight years. So 2026, we'll hit episode 200 Oof. Um, of the podcast. We gotta, we've got to get that rundown going. Um, <laughs> what do we want to see? All right. So think about think about how much we, we've already seen. Yes. Like I was just saying a moment ago, I, I, there's not a whole lot that's going to surprise me anymore because, I mean, when they finally give you the Submariner Namor movie... It's not a shock. <laughs> like, really? We expected this a while ago, didn't we? Well, I think that's why it's not something that would surprise us to happen in the next hundred episodes. I think it's it's things we would like to see. Yeah. One, I know for a fact is happening, or supposedly, okay. and that's that's my first honorable, which is seeing the X Men and the Fantastic Four in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So that's the Eternals is supposed to introduce mutants into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Fantastic okay. Four, I'm not surprised. It's going, It's right around the corner. So, yeah, they, they got to fix pro- that, they don't the, they? How can they have those properties and not They need Fantastic Four... Needs a good movie? You know, it's so funny, those uh, those ones from the mid-2000s. 
I still say that Roger Corman from the nineties is still the best one, which is a sad. It is say. so sad. I mean, I, I've been, I complained about um, Superman being done a disservice the last the last couple movies, but boy, oh boy, when you compare him to the Fantastic Four, at least you have Christopher Reeve, right, with Superman. Yeah. Oh my gosh, those it's not like if you're a Fantastic Four fan, every, everything else Marvel's done, and you're. St- Still waiting for the Fantastic yeah, Four. Like at least there's a decent X Men movie out there. Like there's a few. Yeah, you don't get that with Fantastic Four. So X Men, X Men is that guilty pleasure. Well, I mean, yeah, because I mean we have like Logan and stuff, which were just amazing movies. So, um, but X Men in the in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as well as Fantastic Four is my first. My second is a little ambitious, but it's something I would love to see as a gamer. A video game universe that is held in as high regard as the Marvel Cinematic Universe of Marvel superheroes. Well, you're off to a good start. If they can keep that Spider-Man type game running, I don't know how I feel about the Avengers game that was announced by Square. We'll see. Now, that's not... Is that attached to the Spider-Man? It's not. But they they said that there might be a connection there, um, but it's two different studios, so you're running into that... But Insomniac really wants to, to get into it. So we'll see. I think that would be fantastic to think that there are video games that connect storylines that are not necessarily made by the exact same people, but they don't need to be because they can feel different depending on who the superhero is. I think that would be incredible. Moving into the the era of the PS5 and whatever the new Xbox is going to be because we're only like a year away from those. Yeah. Uh, the next gen, maybe do a video game universe that's mm. what I would like to see as a runner up Darren? so my honorable mentions the first one is I'd like to see the comic book industry rally um, we talked about last month Vertigo is uh, done at the end of the year Yeah. Uh, Mad Magazine's gone under and that was, a, a subs- and that was from DC as well um, so what we're starting to see now and then the sales consistently drop and there's so much competition um I just wish the last great selling comic was Star Wars number one when Marvel reintroduced that a few years ago I just hope that I I don't I mean I have no answers I don't know how this would look I don't know how it would work and I don't know how you compete and especially now that they're porting everything to your handheld devices the sad thing is it's a digital trend so I, I just wish I could see the physical comic book rally in some way, shape, or form. I just I think it's a lost cause. I pray it is not. Um, but I, I guess I don't I don't have much more to say than other than I, I guess I'm hoping against hope. Mm-hmm. And this one's more of a personal one. So we've been talking about Disney Plus. Yes. Which, by the way, of all the streaming services, isn't that the worst name? Worst one? name might be the best one. Might be the best one. Like. Tim and I were talking last month. Um, we're both subscribed to the DC Universe. Mm-hmm. I love the DC Universe. I love it. I'm a, I had to subscribe to the WWE Network. I love the WWE Network. I love it. So um, they may almost be too esoteric to survive like that, especially now with Disney Plus coming. Um so I pray that those two survive. But anyway, the thing I'm really hoping for was something that we was the very first show announced for Disney Plus. And they Disney Plus released 
uh, a few weeks ago, all the stuff you're going to see on the on the on the streaming service in the first two years, and nowhere were the Muppets listed. Oh yeah, they weren't, were they? I, as I've stated on this podcast, I've I hold Jim Henson in as high regard as I do Lucas and Spielberg from childhood. Um, that was my introduction to comedy as a kid. Some of the jokes they slide in are so funny. I the Muppet movie was in theaters a few weeks ago. Went and took uh, my kids to see it for the first time. It's funny. Yeah, it's good. I, I forgot the Muppet movie is a movie about making the Muppet movie. Sounds about right. They were very meta like that, though. Yeah, and I always like to joke. I, I seem to have lost direction. Have you tried Hari Krishna? No. <laughs> it's, it's just. I, I, you know, I, I think Indiana Jones is, I feel like he might be dead. I know the movie's coming, but it seems like people have moved on. But when we were, when I went to Disney World earlier this summer and I went into the, I mean, the, I, one of my favorite attractions is the, um, the Muppet Vision 3D and you go out from the theater. You're in the Muppet Theater, man. The, the, I love being in the Muppet Theater from the Muppet Show. Mm-hmm. And then you walk into the gift shop after, which is, um, flanked by Big Kermit the Frogs, there's no Muppet merchandise. I just feel like Disney's given up. Is it Disney or is it somebody with the Henson family? Not no, I don't think it's Disney. Just saying, I just I don't know, man. They seem to rally like a decade or so ago when that movie came out. It was fantastic. It was such a great movie. Well, and then they did that show that did poorly because it was, it was good though. Should have given it a second season. Yeah, it got real good. It again. got really funny. It they, started weak. It did, but about halfway through, so, so, uh, they didn't. It's like they couldn't figure out exactly what the Muppets were until about halfway in. And you know, they great. You're right. You know, they've never released seasons four and five of the Muppet Show. I know on DVD at all. I mean, I I just find it hard to believe that there's no interest in the Muppets anymore. I saw the second honorable mention to me would be that somehow the Muppets. Rally, they they make a big comeback. All right, it's time for something that I actually want to see happen. You're so dramatic. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. My top thing is self control. Oh boy, I, if it is not obvious by this show, have a problem of controlling myself when it comes to buying comic books and dropping comic books that I don't really care for. Uh, Thanks to Ben at Carolyn John's, I'm no longer reading Captain America after this month. For a long time, I'm like, it's not great. He was trying to sell me on Paper Girls. I was like, I hear it's great. I buy too many books. I can't get it. He was like, so this is what we're dropping from your stack. So he dropped Captain America for me. Um, (laughs) That's funny. Like, literally, like... He had to do it for you. He sold me the last one that I had, and then he went right to my pull list and deleted it and said he's not changing it. So we're good there. Um... But, man, I just... There's something about, like, a good cover or an, uh, something I've been following. Or even, like, right now, Superior Spider-Man, I've said, the current run is not great. But I'm reading it. Why am I not just dropping it? Why can't I get my head around the idea that I don't need absolutely everything? So I want to work on doing that. If I do two to three weeks in a Two to three comics in a row, then I'm like, this is not good drop it <laughs> yeah I mean we used to kind of do that with 
SSPS, you know, do it as much anymore. But do you remember SSPS even then? I would drop maybe one book every six months. Like, yeah. I'm not good at it. And Sayonara is something that's over, but you picked up like three more. Yeah, no, it's a bad thing that's happening. So I need self-control. So there's a small list right now that I'm going to need you to check me on in the near future. I will be ready. So Champions is ending. So do I'm not, not, replacing. not replacing it. I wanted to drop Avengers because it's all about Ghost Rider right now, and I really don't care. That bad, or just it eh. just it, it just it's not it's Jason Aaron. It should be good. I just it's not it's not jiving with me, and it seems like a good time for me to jump off. Okay, I understand. Superior Spider Man. The last issue was really good. They've been terrible up until then. I'm giving it one more. But see, I have these things that I'm right there on the cusp. I have a few books that are ending too. Black Science is ending. Champions is ending. I need to just stop. Okay, so while we're on this topic, yes. I have been doing that. I got rid of Detective... Since we don't do SSPS anymore, yeah. I got rid of Detective Comics. Did you? I did. Okay. I I knew you were trying to get to the, the big number, and then... <laughs> I kept saying... Well, here's the thing. Uh, famously, as we were leading into Action Comics 1000, I kept saying, "Action!" I would introduce it. I'd be like, Action Comics can't get here fast enough, and then they announced Brian Michael Bendis was taking over Superman. It's been very good, so That's I'm hanging on to that. Yeah. I, I'm done with Detective Comics. It's just... I, it's... I'm spinning my wheels with it. Yeah. It's not terrible. It's just I've been down this road so many times. So that's gone. I'm guilty, though. And the the, the title of the uh, comic I couldn't think of is from Dark Horse called Berserker Unbound. Okay. Um, and getting off of what you said, I sucker for a good cover sometimes, and this thing just looked really cool. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm getting where you're coming from, and I... I, I had East of West end. I had Thief of Thieves end. I had the Power of Dark Crystal end. I had, I got rid of a couple of others like Sword Daughter. Mm-hmm. Okay, it was very slow. I'm like, I got to jump off. I'm sorry, but then I wanted. But then here again, I picked up uh, the Sea of Stars, and then I picked up. Um, oh, why can't I think of the name of the the Miles Millar Netflix comic? Oh, uh, Space Bandits? Yeah, I picked up I that, too. That. Me, too. We're both I picked up, and then, of course, Stranger Things. Maybe so we like, should communicate. Maybe only yeah, one of us should buy these. Yeah, we need these. to figure... We need to start thinking about yeah. this. All right. So, regardless, maybe, maybe, in the future, we could consider doing a segment called The Purge, and that is where we throw all of our books down the garbage. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> we we can't be the ones to do it. You no, have to pick which exactly. ones I'm getting rid of, and I'll pick which ones you're getting For rid of. For good reason, too. Yes. And then we can't hide them from each other, like, I'm not reading this, and still yeah, reading it secretly. Yeah, exactly. We've talked about this, too. We have. Help. Well, here's the thing. I've Be got no point. And you know what? I'm not trying to project anything here. Yeah. Um, when I was a single man, which was most of my life, um, I, could, I had time for average video games. I'd uh-huh. play through average comics. But now, the lives, the way my, our lives are, I have time for the best. And that's it. I don't even have time for very good. I have time for the best. I mean... I'm, I'm at very good. I'm You're still a very good. I can re- I read every night before I go to bed. Yeah, I don't. I'm, I'm not able. But you have children. I don't. Yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's. But here's the other thing, though. Um, we had. It's just one of those things where, you don't know. You have to figure out where to stop. And when I say that, um, I only have time for the best. I I catch a lot of flack. I invite a lot of flack for not having stayed on top of yeah. the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But I always remind you that I jumped off the Marvel Cinematic Universe the exact same time I jumped off of the Arrowverse because of time commitments. 
Um, but I do find it funny because you say stuff like that, then you're like, well, I just got through the second season of Star Trek, The Next Generation. So I'm like, well, sounds like you have a little bit of time you could squeeze in some movie watching, but... Well, you know, here's... You know, the real wants to watch them with you, right? Is that the problem? No, she doesn't. No, they just... But here she wants. But here's the thing: she she likes the Arrowverse shows and she likes the MCU. Um, why am I watching Star Trek? Never in my life did I think I'd be getting a Captain Picard outlaw show. Okay. So it's kind of like, all right, uh, it's time for me. Uh, it's been sitting in my queue, which is popular to say for years. Mm-hmm. And if ever there was a time to catch up, now's the all time. All right, all it's right. It's more of a it's a time sensitivity thing. All right. So anyway, mine. Yes. For the love of all that is holy within any superhero realm. Now that Arrow is ending, for God's sakes, give us a freaking Superman show or give us a Batman show or get off my lawn. (laughs) Because what do we have? We've got Titans. Now we've got Pennyworth. We had Gotham. What do we have? We have Supergirl, who has Superman in the show. You've got, apparently, Lois Lane coming. You've got Krypton. For God's sakes, just do it already. You're going to go, you're running out of ways to not give us a Batman or Superman show. To be fair, this Crisis of Infinite Earths, like, like, showing that there are all these different, like, universes could be a good way for them to go, hey, look, now we can do these on TV and still do the movies in a different universe. Exactly. For whatever reason, we, we, we don't want to confuse our audience. Your audience is not confused. No, they Your recent you're... iterations of Batman and Superman, blow. By the way, the guy who's doing it on small or, uh, Supergirl, he's fine. I'm not going to say he's he's not Christopher Reeve. He's sure as heck. He's not even Tom Welk. But let's go. It's For God's sakes. Just do it. Just you, you you have it. It's sitting right there for you. Be careful what you wish for, Darren. Here's the thing. They managed to... I, I, I feel confident if you managed to get eight years out of Green Arrow. Come on, man. They, they struggled with two seasons of Iron Fist. I'm just saying... The, well, I'm looking at the pedigree here. I know. I mean, it feels like you, you have what you need now. You have the tools. Okay. That's that's the thing I'd like to see before uh, episode two hundred of the panel. Scanners. That's fair. I, I can see the desire for it. Now speaking of crisis on infinite earth, you all right? Do you need a potty break for this? No, I'm good. You ready? Yeah. All right. We are a few months away from Crisis on Infinite Earths, the adaptation that will appear across the Arrowverse. Uh, Arrow, Flash, Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow. We're now hearing potentially Black Lightning, um, Batwoman. So this is coming. And I've had, I, you, may, you may recall, <coughs> Crisis on Infinite Earths was one of my first attempts at a retroactive review way back in 2012, but I couldn't get through it. Because I thought it was six issues, and I was it's a voluminous six issues. And then I'm like, I, I looked at it, and I was reading it through uh, Comixology, which had just come out at the time. Yeah, it was definitely not what it is now. And it, you, you, the, the way, it, no, it certainly wasn't. And I, I just said, like, you couldn't really see the covers all that well. 
And then, like, I got to issue six, and it wasn't over yet. And I'm like, oh, my God, there's six more issues. <laughs> I, I, I sort of jumped off at that point, figuring I'd revisit it. Well, it's time. Because they actually announced Crisis on Infinite Earths for this year's crossover at the end of last year's crossover. So this thing has been announced. And for more on that, check out our While We Were Away in part one of our episode 100 where it announced like they're basically acknowledging every single DC universe that's been in any form of media from the television to the movies. I think at one point they even said they acknowledged the Burton Batman films. Huh. Um, that means so, Danny DeVito is part of the universe. I want him... By the way, that whole thing about him as Wolverine, sign me up. Amazing. <laughs> where is the fire? <laughs> he is... I love Danny DeVito. I do, too. So I figured we have a pack, we have a stacked uh, couple of months coming up for the yes. podcast. So I didn't think I was going to be able to squeeze in Crisis on Infinite Earths. So here we are in part two of episode 100. Okay. Crisis on Infinite Earths. DC, 1985 to 1986. The crossover event. Perhaps no three words send shivers up the spine of the comic book enthusiast quite the way in quite such a way as the crossover event. Am I right, Phil? Uh, You've had your fill, no pun intended, of the crossover events since Marvel. It never ends, man. I'm in one right now. Didn't they say no crossovers? Oh, we got the break. Oh, you did get the break? It just didn't feel like it was long enough. Yeah. Because we came out of War of the Realms and we're now in an absolute... Apocalypse. War of Re- War of the Realms started really fascinatingly, though, didn't it? And War of the Realms was good. Okay. Well, hey, they're not all bad. And in no. honesty, before let me uh, let hey, me jump carnage to the point is here. Good too. Absolute Carnage. Crisis on Infinite Earths is not bad good. at all. It's it's quite good. 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 Uh, like I said, we around the panel scanners' offices are all too familiar with the failings of such endeavors, having produced a list of our least favorite events back in March of 2018 which is one of our special episodes. Subsequently, we found that none of the three of us were able to cobble together a long enough list of our favorite crossovers to produce a counter episode. Yes, these are the muddled tales that chase away the casual reader, seeming only to serve the hardest of hardcore fans. So often these maze-like tales build themselves as changers of the status quo forever. There is no going back. Never, ever, ever shall we go back. Until we do, mm-hmm. which will be pretty soon as it turns out. Right, New 52? But it isn't always like that. Crossover events can be a terrific way to have favorite characters share an adventure. As near as I can tell, Superman, Batman, and Robin began this in the early 40s, not long after their debuts. These issues proved to be great sellers, so a comic book genre was born. Though... Not long after, the comic book industry would find itself in the middle of its first great financial peril post-World War II. While servicemen returned home, having read the books overseas, interest had begun to wane in the immediate years following, and sales plummeted in the wake of baseball, movies, and a growing medium known as television. It is a fascinating period in comic book publication history, to be sure, and some great comic achievements managed to emerge out of this dry era But in the interest of time, let's jump ahead to the late 50s, early 60s, where we find DC having weathered the storm through the 1950s and began reintroducing some of their marquee characters. 
The Alan Scott Green Lantern gave way to Hal Jordan. Jay Garrick's Flash gave way to Barry Allen. The Justice Society of America gave way to the Justice League. The eventual re-intros of Hawkman, the Atom, and Blue Beetle, amongst a host of others, followed. Time travel storylines were popular. The multiverse was born. Around this time, DC began acquiring other characters from other seemingly defunct companies. An example of this would be Captain Marvel Shazam. More on him, her, it, in a moment. But what DC would do is when acquiring these characters is create another Earth for them. For example, Golden Age characters such as Jay Garrick and Alan Scott would exist in their own Earth, labeled Earth 2, then characters who were contemporarily at the time known as the Silver Age, existed on Earth-1. More characters added, more Earths added, and so on, until the whole thing became one giant ball of wibbly, wobbly, tiny, whiny stuff, to borrow a phrase from the good doctor. The reintroduced new versions of characters like the Flash and Green Lantern are now considered their classic versions, if not the first. This era, of course, produced some monumental moments in comic book lore, Perhaps most notable is The Flash number 123, The Flash of Two Worlds, in in which both Barry Allen and Jay Garrick appear. It is thought that this is the first moment that DC acknowledges the existence of other dimensions, other Earths. Still, when reintroduced, many readers retained a fondness for their original characters in the intervening years between initial cancellation and reintroduction. These readers were confused by the new identities when they started engaging in the new books, digesting different identities and story origins. Perhaps the most famous and confusing example of problematic character and story dynamics, which will help put a fine point on what Crisis on Infinite Earths was attempting to do, is the aforementioned Captain Marvel Shazam. Just consider a moment, Phil. How off-putting Captain Marvel could be to a new or casual reader. Heck, even an experienced reader, especially now considering that technically it could be argued that Captain Marvel made her, his, its big screen debut in March of 2019 twice. Yeah. Isn't that strange that there was no Captain Marvel movie and then both Captain Marvels end up coming out in theaters in the exact same month? So anyway, um... Captain Marvel a he or she? Is Captain Marvel also Shazam or is that someone different? Wait, now Captain Marvel is a character in Marvel? I already assumed she, he was, considering the name is Marvel. Wait, he was originally a DC character, not Shazam. Oh, it is Shazam, and he wasn't originally DC. He came from Fawcett Publications, later absorbed into DC. Oh, DC forgot to secure the naming rights, and Marvel snatched them up. Wait. Marvel purchased the name, but not the character. So Captain Marvel is officially a Marvel character, but the original Captain Marvel is still Shazam. So the female version is Miss Marvel, the one in the recent movies in Marvel Comics. Wait, Miss Marvel originally appeared in DC, but it's not the same character? I could go on. While the Captain Marvel Shazam perplexity certainly represents among the most difficult to account for, even to a lesser degree, consider having to do this for dozens upon dozens of characters and find a way for them to coexist on the same Earth. This is the reason for Crisis on Infinite Earths. This is where the question, or perhaps more accurately, the problem DC was facing comes into focus. How could DC satisfy loyal, longtime readers, 
keep current readers, attract new readers, and look to the future. They needed to look within. What was already being produced within their line that they can draw on? Enter Marv Wolfman and George Perez. Among the great successes DC had in reintroducing their characters was the new Teen Titans, which was being shepherded by the legendary dynamic duo of Wolfman and Perez. For more on the Teen Titans, check out my retroactive review from our 2018 Holiday Special Part 2. Marv Wolfman pitched the idea of simplifying the DC Universe. He felt the casual or new reader was being done a disservice by needing to account for what at the time of Crisis on Infinite Earths publication, 1985-1986, was 50-some-odd years of storytelling continuity replete with all the character and storytelling confusion that came along with it. Wolfman had come over from Marvel and cited their friendly rival's younger and far more consistent shared universe as what the publisher should emulate. As such, Crisis on Infinite Earths is as ambitious a comic book, story, comic book storytelling concept as ever there was or is. In, trying, in tying everything together, Wolfman had as tough a task as could be imagined in terms of comic book storytelling continuity. Seriously, Spider-Man's Clone Saga thinks this is confusing. How do you account for a quit for so many characters existing on the same Earth, in the same realm, same universe, oftentimes with several versions or variations of that same character, and you're talking to a guy who just last night watched Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse? You think that was any part confusing? Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. For that, you need to know three characters. The Monitor, the Anti-Monitor, and longtime Superman foe, Brainiac. So there, apparently there appeared to be three factions in Crisis on Infinite Earths. The Monitor, who is exactly what he says he is, for the interest of time in this, I could go on to explain it. I am not going to. I have no interest in doing it. Um, he sort of watches history. He has his hand in certain areas. He starts cobbling together a bunch of heroes because he knows the Anti-Monitor is coming and he wants destruction. He wants to destroy the universe. The Monitor wants to combine all the Earths into one Earth because he knows that's the only hope anyone has of surviving. Any, any, any realm, any Earth, any dimension has of surviving because the Anti-Monitor is out to destroy everything on a cosmic level. Brainiac sees this coming. He forms his own team. Um, so the story here is essentially about the combining of the Earths and bringing everything together into one place to make everyone exist on the same Earth, to eliminate the possibilities of all these other dimensions, to eliminate any readers having to burden themselves with understanding that in order to understand this, I need to know that this Flash is Jay Garrick, but there was other Flashes too because now there's Wally West and Barry Allen is dead. It was an attempt to simplify things, and I have to say, having read all 12 issues, it is, you get credit for reading a full novel if you read all 12 issues, because it is the most wordy of comics that I have ever engaged well, in. That time frame was very heavy with... Yeah, the with 80s words, very more much so were, than, than yeah. current. But and even for, like, I, having just recently, last year, gone through uh, the first 18 issues of the new Teen Titans, which is Wolfman and Perez, this <laughs> is way wordier. Um... Not that that's a bad thing. I enjoyed it very much. The writing in this is, is, is absolutely stunning. Um, so, you're talking about the roster of DC Comics, I really can't think of anyone who doesn't appear. Everyone from the Challengers of the Unknown, who I retroactively re reviewed last year, to Doom Patrol, who I retroactively reviewed at this year's Carolyn John's uh, Free Comic Book Day Midnight Release Party 2019. Um, 
this is an extraordinarily difficult book to engage with considering the scope of what it is. But it is gorgeous. It is one of the most incredible looking comics I've ever seen in my life. Now, I think it's unfair to judge comic book artwork from anything we read as kids from, let's say, the 60s, 70s, 80s versus things today. Oh, yeah. The art, like, you had poor artwork back then because you had so many books and you ran out of talent. Now, the, the talent is, it, it's, but let me say this. George Perez, who I named as my favorite artist mm-hmm. on this podcast, this is him at his apex. This is craftsmanship. When you read this thing, and one of the things I said I love about George Perez is that his characters from a distance look amazing. And that's, one, that's, a, that's a shortcoming I find with even artists today. They have a struggle when they're drawing their characters from a distance. Like a wide shot, there's a landscape, and you still know that's Batman up there. Even, you know, obviously the flowing cape. Yeah. But though that's Flash. Um, this thing is absolutely the apex of comic book craftsmanship from the 1980s. And George Perez himself has said he had an absolute blast drawing it. He loved drawing it. It's probably one of his favorites work. Um, it'll be tough for anyone not familiar with DC. And I think even you would probably be fine. But I do feel this is one of the grandest achievements in terms of any sort of collected work. Um, it does seem to have given birth to the crossover event. They occurred before, not on this scale. Because um, for our Superman special, I read the aftermath of Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah. Um, and the, each book did have a tie-in to Crisis on Infinite Earths, which seems to be the first time that that occurred, too. So there's a lot of history surrounding Crisis on Infinite Earths. And it's interesting to me how the Arrowverse has kind of gotten themselves in the same situation with Black Lightning being on Fox. Supergirl was originally on CBS. They weren't technically allowed to be connected, and then The Flash showed up on Supergirl. So now they have to account for how is Supergirl coming back and forth. So I think they're just going to put them all on the same Earth because in Supergirl, she's not. She's on a different, she's in a yeah. different dimension. Um, and now they're acknowledging all the other variations of characters. Like I said, Batman 66 is uh, specifically acknowledged. Smallville was already specifically acknowledged. Um, so Christopher Reeve Superman, we, we're hearing Burton's Batman. Um, so it's now they, they've sort of done it to themselves in the TV universe. So you can see how this sort of organically sort of gets confusing. So when you think back to like the genius of Stan Lee, and it may, maybe you can't even really say it was a genius move because Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman had existed together. But when there was the press conference for the Fantastic Four and Stan Lee says, hey, make Peter Parker the photographer there. Yeah. It's sort of like, and, and but the other thing is they also set him in real cities as opposed to, well, yeah. I, don't, I don't really know what's better. I don't know what's better. I mean, I, I, don't I think, can't imagine a comic books without Gotham City and Metropolis. I don't think it's better or worse. I think the the issue is just the... I, 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 I do. I, I really do think that having them exist from the beginning in the same place just was easier. Yeah, I, it, it is. But, you, but know you also have to explain off why, like, when Galactus shows up, well, why isn't Spider-Man there? Yeah, that's a good uh, point. Um, you know, it's funny. I always found strange... Like, I, I had no problem, like, with, you know, Gotham City is New York... Metropolis is Cleveland. It's a Midwestern city, yeah. of course. But then they have New York because the Teen Titans are based in New York. 
So you're kind of like, I'm not exactly sure if what it works like that. If you're yeah. going to have Star City, which I always thought was Seattle, you can't have Seattle too yeah. <laughs> because where is Star City? Um, or is it Central City was supposedly Los Angeles? Uh, yeah, Central City is Los Angeles. Yeah. I think Bloodhaven was Boston. Um, so that's that's kind of how I always processed yeah. it. So I don't know. This this is required reading. It is a. I mean, some of the most famous covers. One of the most famous covers is Superman cradling Supergirl because she gets killed. Mm-hmm. There's a death toll in this that's astronomical. Most notably, this is Barry Allen's death. Yes. He I mean, sta- I knew that. And by the way, he stays gone until I think 2007. That's crazy. Yeah, he's gone until then. This is Supergirl's death. She stays gone for a good long while. I remember uh, there was a, an old Wizard magazine. They used to have the top ten still dead. And they would update it. And Barry Allen was always number three. Behind Bruce and Thomas and Martha Wayne and Spider Man's parents, and then he moved up to number two because Spider Man's parents came back. Oh yeah, exactly. Uh, it's like <laughs> oh, the secret agent robots. Yeah. So listen, it's a task. Yeah. But if nothing else, you gotta just page by page leaf through this thing. It's if you're a DC fan like I am, and like, like I did say moments ago, I don't think you'd have too much trouble. I have enough base um, knowledge. Of yeah, okay. I mean, you understand. I mean, you know Justice Society. Jay Garrick is Flash. Mm-hmm. Alan Scott's Green Lantern. There was a Hawkman. I mean, you, you get that. And, and So going through this thing, it is literally like a, a who's who almost book. Just going, and, and it's a fun read. Absolute perfect craftsmanship by George Perez. Don't know if you can read it all the way through, but just do yourself a favor. And just go back and just look at this book. It is absolutely stunning. I'm glad I finally got through it. Um, so we're getting that. I think they said the Crisis on Infinite Earths is going to be December, January this year, right before Christmas and then right after the New Year. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool, man. man. Pick it up for yourself. Yeah, I've, I've got it for I, you. I, I've never read it, I, obviously, because I'm not on the DC as much. I'm always scared to read really good DC stuff, though, because I'm scared it's going to make me want to read more DC. Because I read like the the Batman Court of Owls stuff, and it made me want to read more Batman. Oh, yeah. And I was just like, no, 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 no. So I'm kind of scared to read this, because I think it might make me want to read That's, more. No, I, have a qu- I asked you this before, and we haven't done it yet. Yeah. I have been in the mood. From, for some old school Marvel. And I talked a little bit on our last podcast. All right, so one of the retro reviews I'm going to be doing at some point within the next two years is Master of Kung Fu. Okay. I already did the Tomb of Dracula, which I want to revisit. And I've been actively searching out Werewolf by Night. But I'm starting to get myself ready. I feel like I need some good Marvel 80s X-Men or Spider-Man. See, I can help you out there for like finding some but I mean I love that time frame too and I kind of would like to go back and read some Avengers because I didn't read it back then well I was thinking what we should do is trade like you pick out a Mar- like a Walt Simonson's run on Thor um, and I'll pick out I, I, I never read that what's that I never read that I didn't read Thor back then oh the, I actually read the first 10 issues of Walt Simonson's run on Thor probably about 20 years ago and I want to go back and read it again um I, I'm pretty sure I know which one I want to 
if you ever read the Judas Contract? No, I've not. Teen I'm Titans. aware of it, but I've not read it. I think that's the one I want to get you to read. I, I, I think you'll like Teen Titans. I would really need a dig, but I could find something that you may not have read. Spider-Man would be easier for me to find something, but I think sure. X-Men, I could find you something good. Now, here's the thing, though. Uh, X-Men, I read a ton of X-Men in the 80s, so I may have, uh, I'm, I may have already read it. Like, okay. I've read the... The, the Phoenix Saga. I want to read it again. It's been a long time. Yeah, it's good. I've read, I've read that. I read what preceded it, and I read, read what came after it. Let me, let me do some research. We got, oh, we got to talk you. about this. Yeah, it's yeah, we'll, we'll talk show. about it for sure. Oh man. Oh Phil, uh, it's been a hundred. What do you? Anything you want to say before we close this out? I mean, it's been a lot of fun, and it's still going to be a lot of fun going yeah, forward. I'm and I mean, we have so much cool stuff that we still want to do, and there's always new stuff to talk about. And you need to check my addiction to comic books and. Yeah. That, that it's your fault. You know that, right? <laughs> it's been fun, though. It has. You know, I was thinking earlier today that among the segments we do, I think we have the most fun with, is while we were away. And, mm-hmm. I, and I actually think that's because of Tim. But I also think that when we used to do that, there wasn't that much news. Now there's, it's like every month there's like, can you believe this is happening? Can you believe Tarantino's doing Star Trek? Now we're getting a Hawkeye television show? I don't know if it was necessarily that it wasn't there. It, I don't think we were as good at like finding the stuff that was worth oh, talking about. Oh, I don't think like, I don't think it was there. Because think about 2012. This is pre-Arrow. This is just after the Avengers. Yes, man. The Dark Knight trilogy was over. It was more actual comic book news. Yeah, and then now that stuff's dying off because it's all going to the big screen. That's crazy. But yeah, I mean, 100 down, we uh, we have a lot more ahead. And, I hope so, yeah. I, I, no sign, uh, no no end in sight for us, at least. That's very true. And we're going to drop a theme park special here? Yeah, now? theme park special, likely next week. That's next week. two parts. So we're actually posting four episodes this month. Ooh. That's a good way to celebrate our uh, this milestone of ours, so, beginning of season eight and our 100th episode. See, that's how we get up to 200 faster. We do stuff like this. Yeah, well, sneaky sneak. Let me just say this. It's hard for me to believe that we have come this far. From the humble days of recording out of my basement to the slightly less days, humble days of recording out of my basement, to producing and recording live at Carolyn John's free comic book day midnight release party three years running, to recording at the Cleveland Public Library Superman exhibit preview event. It has been wonderful to put focus on a hobby that we just can't let go of. Do you know what you did forget in there? Recording at the Nervous Dog. Uh, I'm not done. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, let me get to this. Uh, special thanks go out to our buddy Dan, the Nerdy Dancers <laughs> of Cleveland, the cosplayers who have and have not revealed their true identities to us, and everyone who has engaged with us during CNJ's FCBDMRP. If anyone who has engaged with us each year feels left out, please charge that to my head, not my heart. A big thanks goes out to my friend Matt, who has helped us out at Carolyn John's Free Comic Book Day Midnight Release Party the last two years and has been a big supporter of us even before then. Matt has actually guested with us three times now. Uh, He's almost like the unofficial fourth member. All right, Matt, listen up. If you're listening to this episode before I see you, consider this an official invite to join us in December for our third and presumably final Star Wars special. Thanks to my friend Rob, who lives in my neighborhood, listens to the podcast, and always offers a kind word when I see him. Don't worry, Rob, we'll get you on when you finally watch Cobra Kai. If you're not at least through season one by the next time I see you, expect a crane kick to the face. Um, No amount of thanks is enough for everyone over at Carolyn John's, the world's best comic shop. A bit of PSers history. Phil and I were uncertain of what was to become of the podcast right before we secured a spot in Carolyn John's free comic book day midnight release party three years ago. 
The experience of working with everyone over at Carolyn John's did more than just reinvigorate us. Without their kind sentiments and support, I don't know if we'd still be in production. No. Anything you want to say about those guys over there, buddy? I mean, other than being pushers, um, they're, seriously, they are the most friendly, knowledgeable group of guys that I've ever interacted with in this culture of, of like, nerdum. I can literally walk in and say, I'm looking for something be it something that deals with Halloween and they'll hand me 15 books and go pick your pick. Uh, they're always good conversation. They always seem to actually care about what's going on in the day and they do. They're supportive. They listen. Like, they're they're good guys. And seriously, if, if you're looking for a comic shop and you are somewhere near Cam's Corners, you should really check them out. Except you, for Ben. He ran me out of the store just for liking Star Trek one time. You deserve that. Yeah, I probably did. Yeah. Ben's a good dude. I told you, Ben forcefully made me drop Captain America. <laughs> he he knows what he's doing. He's yeah, he's, he a, he's a smart guy. He's, um, I still get those Star Trek books though. I'm sure you do. But seriously, it, it's it's a great shop, and they are so welcoming, and they have really helped us continue to grow as a podcast. Yeah, and it, it's great. Uh, and John asks me constantly how things are going with the show, and that that's something. The owner actually goes out of his way to talk to you about something that's personal. It's it's very nice. Love those guys. I do too. Thank you, Mister Johnny Caps, our former co-host who was sat with us the early episodes when we were recorded out of the Nervous Dog Coffee Bar in their uh, party room and helped us steer the ship for the first epi- fifty episodes before moving on to focus on his writing and game design. Thank you, Johnny. Big, big, big thank yous to Tim's wife, Maria, Phil's girlfriend, Lindsay, for allowing your boys to come over and play. Maria, I do miss trading insults with you through Tim and Lindsay. Take care of our boy. The biggest thank you of all to my wife, Maria, daughter, Lily, and little boy, CJ. Maria doesn't simply tolerate producing this podcast out of our basement. She encouraged me to do so at the start and has continued to encourage us since. Thank you to two pals who have become more like family with each passing recording session. Tim and Phil, it's an honor and pleasure to sit across from you guys each month as we pour over all the news that really matters, revisit some old classics, tease each other's brains, look forward to what is to come, and produce a podcast that I hope people like listening to. Most startup podcasts don't last beyond 90 days or three episodes, here we are closing out part two of episode 100. Hard to believe we are in our eighth season. The industry itself has completely shifted since we began. Peripheral characters getting their own TV shows and movies. Revivals and reboots are forever just around the corner. Maybe it's hoping against hope, but I keep the faith that the big and small screen profiles these characters have, have lead to the next great age in comic book storytelling, artistry, and hopefully success for physical comic books. I still think it's the best entertainment medium there is. A visual narrative realm where anything can happen. On a personal note, and I think I speak for my partners Tim and Phil when I say, it's been a long road, but a truly fun one. I hope it's evident when listening to this podcast the amount of affection each of us has for each other. What you hear is what you get. That's how it is behind the scenes. There has never even been a hint of a bitter word between us. I mean it when I say that we have become a family. I know at times this podcast, being part of this podcast, has helped pick us up when we were down as each of us has endured the prolonged illnesses and deaths of family members, loves lost, old friends who have moved on, tough times all around. 
but we've also seen new loves, marriages, births, new friends, hundreds of people giving us the proverbial thumbs up. After eight years, 100 episodes and counting, we are still here and looking forward to all that is to come. Seriously, I wasn't married. I didn't have CJ. No. Uh, I mean, so much has happened. It's been a, pl- a joy. We're still here. We're going to still be here. But until then, enjoy your comments.